Thanks for joining us and welcome to Activate Your Health. I'm Josh. And I'm Kayla. And we're back again to discuss all things health here in Allen County from the fun to the serious. We discuss health-related issues that affect the people that live, learn, work, worship, and play in our county. So once again, thanks for joining us on a wonderful February day here in Lima, Allen County. We have a great episode planned for today. First, we'll be discussing African American History Month and how African Americans face a health disparity here in the United States and also here locally. And next, after that, we will have a great guest. Uh, we have Rick Skilder, the Executive Director of PASS, here to chat about all the great work they are doing. And finally, we'll wrap up talking about a couple of the programs that we're working on currently that we'd love to highlight. Yeah, so obviously, Kayla, February is African American History Month, and to commemorate and celebrate the contributions to our nation that were made by people of African descent, American historian Carter G. Woodson established Black History Week that was first celebrated back in 1926. This week was expanded into Black History Month in 1976 as part of the nation's bicentennial. And each year, U.S. presidents proclaim February as National African American History Month. And heart disease, cancer, and stroke are the leading causes for African Americans in the United States. And African Americans, like Kayla said, face a greater health disparity than the general population. So we just want to talk a little bit about these conditions and what you can do for your health. So we'll talk about heart disease and stroke uh, off the bat here. We have that one in three deaths in the United States are due to a cardiovascular disease. People of all ages, genders, races, and ethnicities are affected. However, certain groups, including African Americans and older individuals, are at even a higher risk than others. Nearly half of all African American adults have some form of cardiovascular disease that includes heart disease and stroke. High blood pressure is the leading cause of heart attack and stroke in the United States, and about every two of every five African American adults have high blood pressure, and less than half of them have it under control, which is where the real issue lies. African American adults are even more likely to suffer from high blood pressure, heart attacks, and stroke deaths than white adults. Individuals living below the federal poverty level are even more likely to have high blood pressure compared to those living at the highest level of income. Yeah, and when we look at cancer, we see that cancer is the second leading cause of death among uh, black Americans in the United States. And when we look at men, black men get and die from cancer at a higher rate than men of other races and other ethnicities. And when we look at women, white women actually have the highest rates of getting cancer, but black women have the highest rates of dying from cancer. And when we look at breast cancer, breast cancer deaths are going down fastest among white women compared to women of other races and ethnicities. Black women have the highest death rates of all racial and ethnic groups, and there are 40% more likely to die of breast cancer than white women. The reasons for this differ in a number of different factors, including having more aggressive cancers and fewer social and economic resources. To prove this disparity, black women need more timely follow-up and improved access to high-quality treatment. And when we look at prostate cancer, it is much more common in black men. It tends to start at younger ages and grow faster in men of other races or ethnic groups do not really understand why. So it's just one of those mysteries that impact uh, black men at a higher rate. Mm. And then we also want to mention obesity. Obviously, obesity is a problem that faces everyone in America, but really when it comes to the African-American population, they are more likely to have these conditions, heart disease, stroke, and cancer, which obesity is a really common denominator in all of those conditions. The estimated annual medical cost of obesity in the U.S. is $147 billion, and that was from 2008. African-Americans are nearly 1.5 times as likely to have obesity as compared to non-Hispanic whites. From 2011 to 2014, the prevalence of obesity among African-Americans was 48% compared to 35% of non-Hispanic whites. 
African-Americans eat fewer vegetables than other racial and ethnic groups, but eat similar amounts of fruits in comparison. More than half, 56% of African-American adults 18 years of age and older do not meet the physical activity component of the physical activity guidelines from 2008 as well. Yeah, so that's a daunting bit of information. And I think a lot of the change needs to happen through systemic change. But there are some things that individuals can do to help. And I think we're going to provide some tips there because, you know, the systematic changes is a conversation much longer than we have time for today and takes a lot more people to uh, take the serious issue forward. But when we look at what individuals can do, you know, living a healthy lifestyle can prevent heart disease, cancer and stroke. Some of the tips that we have to offer would be first a healthy diet with fruits, vegetables, whole grains and fat free milk and choose foods that are low in saturated fats, low in cholesterol, low sodium and low in added sugar. We also encourage you to exercise regularly. You know, adults need two hours and 30 minutes of exercise each week as a recommended baseline. So you can do more than that just because that's the recommended level. We can do more. Also, we can be smoke free. So if you're ready to give up tobacco products, you know, you can call the quit line at 1-800-QUIT-NOW. It's 1-800-784-8669. It's a great resource to help you give some support in quitting tobacco use. You also, another tip would be to limit alcohol use. And that's easier said than done. But if we do choose to drink, you know, do so in moderation. Don't drink more than one drink a day for women and two drinks for men. Know your family history. Have conversations with your grandparents, your parents, and find out what's going on and what you might be at risk for because you might have a history of stroke or heart disease and you want to be aware of that. And lastly, manage any medical conditions that you already have. So learn the ABCs of heart health and keep them in mind every day, especially when you talk to your healthcare provider. And those ABCs of health are A, appropriate aspirin therapy for those who need it, B, blood pressure control, C, cholesterol management, and S, smoking cessation. So you can learn more about Ohio's African American History Month at ohio.org slash travel inspiration articles and explore Ohio's African American history. And I think it should be noted, of course, we obviously have these disparities here close to home in Lima. We are working on community health improvement plans and assessments that obviously the data shows us that these are evident, these are existent here um, in our community. And we're working hard to bring groups together to look at these populations and how we can, again, do better looking at access to care, as we talked about here, how to talk to your doctor, how to get access to the proper foods that you need. Uh, We talked about healthy eating, and that's sometimes hard for folks. So we really do need to be aware of those obstacles here in our community and provide those resources to everyone. Yeah, and we need your voice in those things. So if you're uh, interested in being part of that conversation, reach out to Activate Allen County, to either Kayla and I. Be happy to have those conversations and see how you can connect in our community health improvement planning, because we need everybody's voice to make our community a healthier and better place. All right, you're listening to Activate Your Health, and we're joined today on the program by Rick Skilleter, Executive Director of PASS. Rick, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Josh, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Hey, Rick, thanks for being here. Uh, we want to first start by asking you, for those who may not know, what is PASS? Sure. PASS stands for Prevention Awareness Support Services, and we are a prevention-oriented organization working with primarily uh, mental health awareness, prevention, and uh, substance use prevention and education. So, Rick, um, that sounds like a lot of things that you guys are working on from a prevention side. So can you explain kind of your current programs and initiatives that you guys are working on and offering to the community right now? Sure. I think it's really, really important for the community to know how their money is being put to good use. We are a contract agency by the Mental Health and Recovery Services Board. And what that allows us to do is to work in a variety of settings. So in the school-based population, we look at uh, kindergarten or uh, basically first grade through graduation and providing programming and 
in all areas of mental health and wellness. So we have a substance use focus or substance use prevention focus around alcohol and other drugs. Then we have a uh, focus on suicide prevention and making uh, sure that students know what their resources are, uh, both within their school system, but then, for example, identifying a trusted adult if they were struggling, how do they reach out to that adult and what the uh, local resources are in the, not just the 911 numbers, but our local hotline number, having that available to them. Then it also allows us to work with the adult population in a program, our postvention work in the aftermath of a tragedy. We have our critical incident stress management program that responds to schools and community organizations that have been impacted by a tragedy. We also have our local outreach to survivors of suicide or loss program uh, that allows us to connect with uh, in the immediacy after a tragedy of a death from suicide, the family members or uh, those immediately impacted by that. We have a companion program called DOS, Drug Overdose Survivor Support, for those who are impacted tragically by the loss of somebody due to addiction. That's uh, addiction from alcohol or other substances. We also have our mental health first aid program, uh, and that has kind of two branches. One is for adult population, and another is for adults who work with youth. And all of those programs are very, big, very, very busy programs. We're very grateful. I should also mention that we have a partnership with United Way of Greater Lima and supported by their funding as well. So we have a lot of great contributors to our program that allow us to go out and do the great work in the communities. So it sounds like a lot of those things that you're working on are really tied together when you're talking about, you know, substance use prevention, suicide, you know, your loss and DOS teams and mental health first aid. It, it seems like a lot of your programs really are impacting a lot of the same areas for someone in mental health. So how would somebody in the community that needs your services, if you're, you know, attending a school as a student, if you're an adult, if you're wanting to access some of your services, how do folks connect with you guys or, you know, sign up for services programs like that? Sure. Great question. First of all, you mentioned the, the overlap and we talk about the continuum of care and I mentioned first grade through graduation in the in the school side. We really do want to help reinforce in the early years, set the stage for it. And then in their middle school and high school years where they're more subjected to it and more likely to need that support, being able to tap in. And so uh, I'd failed to mention the Gatekeepers Group, which is a youth-led program in the middle school and high school program uh, range as well. Connection to us can happen multiple ways. And certainly they can look us up at uh, the website of www.passaah.org. Uh, they can call our office here at uh, 419-549-8530. But then the Hope Line is the, the local number that we give to all of our community members. If they're in crisis, a mental health crisis, they can call the Hope Line at 1-800-567-4673. And if there's a particular need in the prevention world, they can ask for that and then they would be routed over to us as well. So lots of ways to uh, connect electronically. The important thing is knowing that the services in the community, that's part of the, we talk about reducing stigma and helping people be more comfortable talking about mental health challenges and overcoming mental health challenges. That really starts with recognizing the need to just kind of step forward and say, hey, how do we tap into this? Our job is not treatment. Our job is to help that recognition become more smooth, more fluid, and people to be more comfortable about conversations that uh, involve mental health Traditionally, that's been kind of a topic for people to sometimes be uncomfortable with, and we want to remove that uncomfortableness 
and get people more fluid with the conversation and comfortable talking to their loved ones, talking to their bosses, and being able to say, hey, what are our resources and what's available to us? How do we tap into that? And that's where PASS fills that gap for the community. Yeah, that's that's really great. It's a great explanation in terms of the stigma. I think we talk about that a lot, too, in, in our work with Activate and how we want to bridge those gaps and have those conversations. And I think the mental health first aid training that is offered through PASS is really the best way, I think, for our listeners to, uh, if you're you know thinking to yourself, how could I learn more about that? Or how do I have those conversations? Or how do I recognize somebody who might be in need? That mental health first aid training is a huge tool. It's a key, I think, to really understanding how we interact with people and how we can assist people who may be in a crisis or potentially coming to a crisis in their lives. So I think it's really important. So could you explain in terms of mental health first aid training, how you can get connected with the mental health first aid training itself? I think that's really a key piece of what you're doing, especially for our listeners. Sure. The program, for those who are not familiar with it, the Mental Health First Aid is a is a, now because of technology and things that we've learned through the COVID crisis and being able to be more adaptive, available in multiple formats. So the traditional eight-hour classroom exists uh, where we could sit down, bring it to a business or an organization, or people can periodically, we have community classes and they can sign up through us for those classes. A lot of our classes are more, more frequently offered to organizations and uh, unique to them, but we do have periodically community classes that folks can just pop into. The other format is now also popular is a kind of a blended format where you do some online learning, about two and two to two and a half hours of online learning, and then about a four to four and a half hour block of time with live presentation uh, by the instructors, and that's a blended format that they can uh, attend. The program, as you mentioned, Alicia, is starts out with the early signs, recognizing there might be some challenges of developing, developing into a more comprehensive problem. Now I need to start really taking action. And then what do I do if there's a full-blown crisis? And so that program will take somebody from little knowledge to being aware of, then they're aware of something's happening. What do I do with it? Or full-blown crisis, how do we get my loved one to the better level of care? We don't take programs never intended to make somebody an expert. It's really more about recognition and being comfortable saying, hey, I think there's a problem here. And then what do I do with that problem or developing challenge, as we say uh, in the program, when it's developing into a a larger need, how do I help that conversation with my loved one or the people that I'm around to say there might be something uh, necessary to do here and being comfortable to having that conversation. Again, through our phone number, they can call us and say, hey, I'm interested in a mental health first aid class. We do have a, on our website at www.passah.org a spot dealing with mental health first aid, and so you can look at that. Again, many of the classes are unique to businesses or to organizations, um, and so if there's a, a community demand or you have an organization that might benefit from this, I mentioned a little bit ago our partnership with the United Way of Greater Lima. They are gracious enough to fund this program specifically uh, so that there's no cost to the participants. A lot of, in fact, almost all of our program is graciously offered or provided through grants of from the Mental Health Board or United Way or others. And so there's no cost for attending. It's just a matter of pre-registering. And particularly now with the Mental Health First Aid, there is a little bit of pre-work that has to be done online. If folks are not technologically gifted, uh, we have a way to walk them through that process here by contacting Donna Dickman directly for that assistance. Yeah, and that's a great program. And we appreciate that you guys make it easy for people to take advantage of those opportunities. So we want to transition now Rick, uh, to just ask you a couple questions about yourself. You know, um, you know, uh, Rick, you've had an interesting career path. So could you explain to us kind of what led you to this role as executive director and pass? I think you've taken an interest 
interesting pathway to this leadership role in your career that maybe people might be surprised to hear about. Thanks uh, for asking that. Uh, for those who don't know, I've been in emergency services for, I was counting the other uh, the other night, and it's uh, about 37 years, uh, plus some years in the cadet or the, the exploring program for another five or six years. So I'm approaching 40 years in some manner or another uh, being involved in emergency services. I know I look very young with those uh, 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 around me, but at any rate, uh, that, that I've seen a lot of evolution over the years and uh, ways we've uh, done prevention work. So I was a full-time police officer and retired out of law enforcement as, after a full career of doing law enforcement, uh, but in, in, as a companion to that, also volunteering in fire and EMS and involved in various capacities over those almost 40 years now doing it. And so we were always involved, I was always involved in some level or another of prevention, preventing car accidents, preventing childhood injuries and messaging that would come from the various disciplines that I was involved. So prevention was not uh, something that was foreign to me, but when we looked at prevention with mental health, I got uh, somewhere in the latter part of my career involved with the Mental Health Recovery Services Board of Allen Ogles, Hardin Counties, and started to learn more about the work that was going on with persons with mental illness. And clearly over the course of my career, I was engaged in calls or supervising people or helping my officers work through problems or challenges that cases where the individuals uh, had a mental health condition. And those those started to pop up more frequently and more frequently and more frequently. So not only were we as police officers challenged with criminal law and civil, trying to stay out of civil issues, uh, but then we started to see more and more of the mental health challenges creeping into our people that we were engaging. And so there's a program called CIT, Crisis Intervention Training, uh, that we offer to uh, public safety law enforcement in particular. Uh, and I took that training years ago. Ironically, now that's one of the programs that PASS offers. And when I took that program years ago, it helped me recognize that there were so many more ways to communicate with an individual. We as cops get jaded and kind of get that law enforcement mentality around us. And that can be a barrier to communications. And without even realizing it, it was uh, causing challenges when we would come across or I'd come across somebody who was having a bad day, whatever that bad day looked like for them. So I, I recognized the value of that CIT program. I recognized the value of having a different mindset or having the ability to have a different mindset when necessary and treating folks uh, humanely, compassionately, not that police officers don't, but that there's sometimes when you're dealing with somebody with an altered mental status for whatever reason, be it dementia, be it substance use disorder, or be it just a mental health challenge, we got to handle that a little bit differently and the importance behind that. So I had that happening around me. And as it became time for retirement, I was fortunate enough to have an opportunity to develop that skill set and continue that skill set here at what was then called Partnership Providence Free Families. We've uh, made some changes in, in 2018, 2019 to kind of rebrand. We didn't want to have people connecting the word violence and mental health together. And so we purposely took the word violence out of our name because most people who struggle with a mental health challenge are not violent, but yet the media would have us. We talked about stigma a little while ago. Uh, that stigmatization that comes from social media or the movies and such about uh, mental health and violence. And we just didn't want to have that perpetuated. So we eliminated that from our name and uh, looked more towards the supportive services side. So prevention, prevention education and all that we've talked about. But then the supportive services is that postvention piece, which was really one of the near and dear to me and remains near and dear to me as far as providing a safe outlet for our emergency services and public safety folks to have a place to go or 
way to go and have a conversation, not necessarily counseling, but to decompress and recognize that I'm amongst peers and peers who understand what this life can be like and how challenging it can be at times in a non-judgmental way. And so that all kind of came together to bring me to this place we call PASS. And little did I know at the time that I might would have an opportunity to lead the great organization. I was number nine when I joined in and we're now not just here in Allen County uh, in and the surrounding counties, but we're in about 11 counties throughout the state of Ohio. Wow. I think it goes without saying that your background is perfect, I think, for the kind of work that needs to be done in terms of reducing stigma and being compassionate and having that relationship with law enforcement to hopefully bridge some of those gaps as we think about how we can best serve our residents and also look to education and how we can educate everyone in our area in terms of reducing stigma, how to approach those with mental health concerns, substance use, and how we can do better as a community. So we really do appreciate you being here today with us, Rick. We've been talking to Rick Skilleter from PASS, the executive director there. One more time before you leave us, can you give us contact info for how anyone can reach PASS? Sure. So our phone number is 419-549-8530. That's answered here in Lima. We're right across the kind of category of the post office here in downtown Lima, 309 West High Street. Our website address is www.passaah.org. So you can go to the website and see all of our programming that's there. And let's see, we give you the phone number. My email address is rskilleter at P-A-S-S-A-A-H. If anybody has a need to email me directly, you can feel free to do that. And of course, our Hope Line number, not that that goes directly to pass, but anybody that's having a crisis or needs mental health help, you can contact the Hope Line at 1-800-567-4673 and 24 hours a day. And I should mention 211, talk about partnering with United Way of Greater Lima and others, uh, but we're also available through 211. Well, thanks a lot, Rick. And once again, and on behalf of Activate Allen County, we commend the the work that you and uh, your team at PASS are doing. So keep up the great work. Josh, I really appreciate you having us on and uh, anybody call us anytime if you have any needs. All right. Thanks. Take care. You're listening to Activate Your Health with Josh and Kayla. Now we're going to talk about a program highlight that we have and some upcoming events. So first, let's dive into our South Jackson Community Garden. Yes, we have a great garden. Activate Allen County and the Chamber of Commerce run a community garden at 200 South Jackson Street. South Jackson Street kind of runs right up into the Riverwalk. So if you're if you're ever in the area of Ty Jasmine and Pine and South Jackson kind of runs parallel there. So we have a great garden. We have 17 beds available out there currently. Uh, We are hoping to add more and add some more education, add some more items as we kind of grow and expand that area. But we are looking for gardeners. So it's that time of year for us to think about gardening. We're hoping spring uh, comes quickly after the weather we're having currently. But we really are excited about getting uh, our gardeners lined up for the 2023 season. Yeah, and our garden is free for those first 17 people from the community. So we do have 16 of those beds are raised beds. So it's a lot easier for folks with mobility issues to uh, be able to utilize those. You don't have to bend down as far to dig in the soil and to pull weeds and stuff like that. We also have some great community events that take place out of our South Jackson Community Garden. So even if you aren't a gardener there, we'd encourage you to participate when we have our block parties and other events out there. But really, we're trying to build that space as a community space where folks can come. We have a blessing box on site. So we typically have that blessing box outfitted with
with shelf-stable items for folks to fill their pantry that might have a need at home. So at any given time, if uh, folks in that community need to stop by the South Jackson Garden, you can stop in that blessing box to maybe pull out a jar of peanut butter or a a can of green beans or or something like that to take home with you. So we're going to have some big changes hopefully this year. We plan on building a structure, some compost bins. So we're just really proud of that space. It's come a long way and we have a lot of great partners from the Lima Allen County Chamber of Commerce, from Ohio State Lima and the city of Lima that have really helped build that location and bring it to where we're at today. And thanks to ARP Ohio, we have some funds to make that space more welcoming to folks that are 55 and over and really just thrilled at what that garden space will look like in 2023 and years to come. So if you are interested in gardening or at least learning more about what it means to be a community gardener, it's really simple. You just obviously get your plot, you're able to grow whatever you want. And we have education and events that are optional. We hope that may take advantage of those, but you can come and go as you please to that space. And we have a nice shed on site as well. So we are looking again for gardeners to fill out an application that states that you want to be a gardener with us. You can find that on Activate Allen County's Facebook page. It's pinned to the top. You can click on that link and fill out that quick application that comes right to us. And then in a few uh, weeks, we'll be contacting you to uh, get you signed up and get you all ready to go for the great season. And if you don't get lucky enough to get one of our beds, we are also helping with registration for the LACNIP Community Garden at the corner of Spring and Collette Street here in Lima. They have a number of beds that are available and they do charge $10 per bed per person. However, at the end of the season, you can get that $10 right back to you by just following through with the rules and and making sure that your garden's maintained. There's also a a new community garden that we're helping collect registrations for. That's the Friends of Lima Garden at the uh, corner of Pierce and Kibbe Street in downtown Lima. So once again, we're just taking free applications for that garden as well. So encouraging folks, if you're close to one of those, if you live or work close to one of those sites and you want to plot, let us know. But come early because they do typically go and get all reserved by the end of the year. So don't hesitate, even though, like Kayla said, it might be a little cold right now. It's time to start yes, thinking time gardens. Yes, to start thinking. And finally, I know earlier in the show, we had talked about heart health. We were talking about the disparities when it comes to heart health. One of the ways that we can really protect our hearts is by not using tobacco, not vaping, not smoking. So if you are a current smoker and potentially looking to quit, obviously it's the new year here. Many times people are making resolutions or thinking about potentially quitting. So we wanted to make you aware that we do work with a cessation program that we are excited to promote through the quit line. The state has a quit line um, free to use. So you can call 1-800-784-8669, which is 1-800-QUIT-NOW. And you can get signed up for those free assistance calls to help you quit smoking. It's really important on your quit journey to have some additional assistance. So we really recognize that. So we're partnering with the state in order to promote that to our community. Yeah. And as a former smoker, I can firsthand tell you how difficult it is to uh, give up tobacco use. And so having a little bit of extra help from the quit line or from whatever place that you find support in your world, reach out to those folks, get some help in your journey to quit tobacco because it's the number one thing that you can do to improve your health. So we just want to encourage folks to take that step. We also want to remind folks that if you've been struggling in other areas, there is local help. Like Rick had mentioned earlier, the crisis line is available by calling 1-800-567-HOPE. That's 1-800-567-4673. Or you can text 741-741. But we just want to encourage you to get out there, enjoy nature, even though it might be cold in February. Be active and have fun. But until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you soon. See ya. Bye.